0: I heartily endorse this event or product.
1: ahoy hoy everybody and welcome to talk to the audience where this is always death i'm one of your hosts for this one bob mackie who is here with me today hey it's henry gilbert homer as Krusty truther Ooh, we're in that gate right now The gate is now opening and yes welcome to another episode of our monthly community podcast where we talk about uh, news that's happening in our world and in the Simpsons world and then read some of your questions and comments from the Patreon. So welcome. Yes, as you know, for 2020 and beyond, this is the final episode of the month for Talking Simpsons for the Patreon and the first episode of the month of Talking Simpsons for the free feed. Mm. And uh, we're having a lot of fun this month and our second month of quarantine this is the yes. safe space we're allowed to talk about quarantine <laughs> in and i was supposed to get married today
0: this very day we're recording this we were going to spring uh, that on you as a crazy <laughs> surprise
1: but yes uh, it's true talking simpsons was a long con to find me a wife <laughs> and that wife was going to be nina matsumoto unfortunately i'm taking applications now no it didn't work no. out no no of course <laughs> i'm getting married again in the future or for the first time in the future
0: mm-hmm. no it's uh yeah i uh i would be on my first trip to vancouver ever right now in uh, yes. in a normal
1: World, so I want all your pity. Uh, <laughs> give it, give it to me.
0: <laughs> uh, no, I, I feel bad for Bob. This has been a behind-the-scenes thing uh, going through this entire time, uh, where we've been so productive in this uh, quarantine time, but also like it just sucks the whole time watching it. Slowly, slowly, i'm so desperately lonely yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh i but i still as much as i want to hug bob and comfort him we have to keep our distance it's true yeah, so uh yeah.
1: but <laughs> yes uh i mean i've we survived so far through uh, i counted i think 41 days of quarantine wow <laughs> since it started march 17th for the bay area at least mm-hmm. so uh we've made it this far and it feels like time it was just you know went by in a blink but we've recorded like a thousand podcasts we really
0: have like yeah. i'm, I'm cur- we're both currently living in june with podcasts it's it's actually, we're so far ahead, it makes me sometimes almost forget to post something in April, because I'm like, I'm in June now, baby. Yeah, I'm and we not.
1: recorded uh, nine of the Talking Mission Hills now, so yes. uh, most yeah. of those were recorded in April, and we do warn you when they uh, we'd say relevant things to that time period.
0: Yes, yes, yeah. so I mean, on a, on a future one, please... I don't think Mission Hill, but please don't groan too much at our Tiger King talk when you hear it in June, because you're like, oh, Tiger King? That was a million years ago. I think
1: people are itching to hear us talk about Tiger King, but you will on (laughs) one episode of Talking Mission Hill in the future. I forget which one.
0: Uh, But uh, but it's been a fun month at home, at least. But uh, yeah, I... Again, I am. I'm sorry for you, and also, you know, friend of the show, my pal Nina Matz. Yes,
1: so. we're hanging in there. We hang out every night online in video games, and we illegally uh, stream things to each other. Mm. <laughs> Stigma <laughs> well, to the man.
0: Yeah, that's uh, well. I mean, it's it's Hulu's fault for not being in Canada. I
1: exactly. Say. Uh, let's talk about news in yes. the Simpsons world. So, a uh, silver lining to this horrible dark cloud we're living under is that finally, at the end of May, we will finally have four by three Simpsons. In their correct aspect ratio, and I couldn't be happier. Yeah, Disney finally went on the record and said, like, by the end of May we'll do it. It'll
0: be in four three, and it's just like uh, it's still so wrong. It just feels so wrong to me watching it in that crappy widescreenified version on Disney Plus. Like, I this also was when I realized I uh, misplaced some DVDs and had far fewer Simpsons DVDs than I thought because, like, I uh, I wanted to watch I. I hate doing notes on a widescreen version. I try to oh, never too. do it. And, you know, for season one and season 10, the most recent ones, I was, of course, using my DVDs. Here we come to season 11. I pull my box off the shelf. I don't have disc one in the case. I don't know where Who I Who stole it. disc one? Uh, I mean, I was careless with my DVDs, and I moved. Maybe it's like it's, in a um, PS2
1: somewhere in a yeah, landfill.
0: Ooh, yep, yeah. Or my... I had... Uh, I... <laughs> you know landfill somewhere is a debug ps2 i just like i never Uh gave back to somebody i've got like a
1: 300 pound debug ps3 in my closet from one up yeah if i (laughs) ever want to drag that out it's the george foreman girl one of course Uh, of
0: course oh man you'd make some big money selling those there are so many
1: ports on the back of that thing i don't even know what half of them are (laughs) uh
0: but yeah so i had to to buy my i had to rebuy dvds and let me tell you Yeah, I thought those DVDs would be super available everywhere, but at least in new, I think Disney is holding them back. Like, I think Disney doesn't want people to buy those non-Disney approved extras that are on all those Mm. DVDs. So they're actually kind of out of print. If you wanted to buy season 11 brand new shrink wrapped on Amazon... A lot of people are just charging 50 bucks for it. Like, it's like toilet paper. Oh, no.
1: (laughs) No. (laughs) Well, look for a Simpsons episode about that in about nine months, I think.
0: Yeah. But, but I did get them on eBay. So, most people, if you're, if you are in the market to shore up your Simpsons, I mean, it made me want to rebuy and make sure I have every season for sure again because it does feel like Disney. Is holding them back now. I I, oh. I don't know.
1: Yes, so Simpsons nineteen is like retail like twenty nine ninety five or whatever on mm-hmm. Amazon. But uh, anything before that, you're right, it's like fifty bucks.
0: Yeah, it's yeah. crazy. I bought
1: all the ones I didn't have when eighteen came out just to support the DVDs, and then uh, nineteen just came out last December, I think, like I, December of twenty nineteen.
0: That makes me think how hard it was behind the scenes for Al Jean and the guys to get uh, season nineteen on DVD if Disney is. This resisting to it And I'll tell uh, you
1: what uh, We all complain about the headboxes And yes the headboxes are not a good mm -hmm. idea But I'll tell you what For me at least I've moved about 30 times since I bought them They never broke yeah. They are so durable they 're made with about three pounds of plastic. Every DVD set after that are these awful like little trapper keeper folders you have to like mm. just jam your filthy hands into <laughs> to rip out a disc as it scrapes along the corners it 's an awful design, and that 's the rest of them for the rest of time and You rip open the box just opening it, you damage the little flap it yeah. sucks
0: yeah i uh, I hate to blame Al Gore for this, but I do think he got in it started first with the Futurama DVDs. You know? Yeah, I, yeah. I think he got in Graining's ear about all this plastic landfill created by these, and so that's Ugh. why they went with the eco-friendly paper ones that you just have to like... Yeah, I I think that's why I didn't even know I didn't have Disc 1 in my Season 11 box, because how could I even open it to look in there? You just assume
1: they're all in there, yeah. yeah. But uh, saving the environment should not be on me. I do enough. Give me a, <laughs> a, like a hefty DVD case.
0: But But yes, at least if Disney Plus is to be believed when the 4.3 aspect ratio gets on there then folks won't have to put in their dvds or perhaps settle for tunova.net nova.net and (laughs) and have to avoid all the pop-ups for no one under 18 can play this game
1: should i I bleep that out (laughs) okay if it's our only resource
0: uh no 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 (laughs) i I, I only used it once (laughs) oh no the clips are all off at disney oh yeah i just want to see it in the right aspect ratio that's right But I bought the DVDs now, so it's fine.
1: And another uh, great news, uh, Playdate with Destiny is now on Disney Plus for us all to enjoy, question mark. I didn't quite enjoy it very Mm -hmm. much.
0: Well, you know, more information came out about it that made me dislike it more. Oh, uh, really? Well, to find out that they're like, that it was a tease for an episode. There was an episode this yeah. month. is like, see more of Ma- Maggie with her boyfriend. Like, so you had an extended sequence in an episode and embellished it a little bit to make it a Maggie short to put before onward.
1: I mean, the thing about kids and babies doing adult things were all, was always like a kind of humor, but like mm. the horny Maggie stuff I'm not into. Yeah. And also I could see like the plan for this where it's like, okay, this is going to play before onward, a huge Pixar movie that everyone's going to see because of course, movie theaters will remain open. <laughs> Yes, for the next yes. few months and then once people see onward for the third time they're like when is baby maggie gonna fall in love for real and then the tv <laughs> episode will air and they'll get their resolution history did not work out that way for them
0: did not no no uh though onward remains the final film i saw in theaters before all this uh but but hey now you guys can watch playdate with destiny 2 i'm curious what what everybody thought of it now that they've seen it or could see it on Disney Plus. I. Yes, I maintain also still two cutesy-poo, but also, yes, trying to make, like, going on a date, woman prepares for a date jokes with Maggie with a baby in a diaper is kind of gross. And spend more
1: money on those things. If you're going to put it before a Pixar movie, don't have a TV-looking thing before it. They needed a
0: little more money, yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Uh, so in other news there are I don't know if this is new because I saw this around Christmas but I think they uh, formalized it on Disney Plus and then uh, okay. there are now collections of episodes that are themed around certain things because yeah they at least surfaced it more then I yeah. guess. and I remember Nina and I were going through them and we couldn't figure out why some episodes were under certain categories like the city of New York versus Homer Simpsons was under Simpsons predict the future and I was like were they oh, yeah. talking <laughs> about like the weird 9-11 conspiracy like that's the only only thing it could mean but they can't possibly be doing that on disney plus
0: that really could be i mean maybe some uh, intern stuck that in there well i know that like um in the predict the future thing too is the kim and alec one and that's only for a one-off joke how it of in it of the disney corporation owns fox like that's the source of that so some of the things in simpsons predict the future are for like a 10 second sight gag or less than 10 second sight gag so you won't necessarily remember it as a prediction of the future type episode so perhaps they they don't mean a 9-11 reference there they're like uh no, um remember Duffman or remember a guy driving, you know, somebody actually was filmed driving with a boot on their car recently. Maybe it was that. Hmm. So. Uh but I uh, or it is a 911 reference. But yeah, I guess, you know, it's smart of them to do those collections though. It also shows you like, oh, here's a season 28 episode that apparently also predicted the future like the Lady Gaga one that's in there, they make a joke about her doing a Super Bowl halftime show, and then two years later, she did the Super Bowl halftime show.
1: I don't know if Bart to the future is part of that uh, Simpsons Predict the Future collection.
0: That seems to avoid Donald Trump then, I suppose. Yeah, but, yeah. Uh...
1: <laughs> Let's uh, move on. So there's a new interview on the AV Club with one Alfred Jean. Yes. Talking about uh, the state of the show today, working from home and so on, and it does seem like animated shows are the healthiest shows right now yeah. because people can really do a ton of this remotely including voice acting like i saw yardley smith tweeting a few weeks ago i just did my first like voice acting from home
0: wow yeah. i didn't see that that's pretty cool and a
1: lot of the actors like julie Kavner and harry Shearer, have been doing that for like a decade mm-hmm. plus so it's nothing new for a lot of these people
0: when i was reading that interview and he was talking about their work set up now It made me feel 10 times luckier that we got to go to that table read. Like, yeah, there may never be another table read in that way. Yeah, I bet they'll think
1: like, yeah, why are we meeting like this? I mean, it's tradition, sure, but this would be much easier if we just all were in a Zoom meeting together.
0: Well, I think in a post-quarantine world, as I imagine it, I think a lot of companies will be asking themselves like, wait, why do we have this office? Why do we do all this? Why do we have
1: employees?
0: Well, that too. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. but so, so, I don't know. Maybe they'll never go back to that stinky writer's room again. It'll, my
1: my vow to our listeners is I have never Zoomed to date, and I will never Zoom. Uh, we, unless it's for money.
0: Yes, yeah. We might be Zooming soon, actually, oh, right. for, in a way, oh, for money. I guess I have to Zoom, but
1: it's, it's for the best. <laughs> it's not but, our uh, choice
0: to Zoom, but uh, we're guests, so we must... Uh, and that's all the teasing I'll do right there. But that interview with Gene um, is interesting. I did like hearing him update on how they're working right now and i also liked him you know comment on the aspect ratio coming back he had a fun thing to say of like we listened to our fans they wanted more dvds with commentary we did it they wanted aspect ratio we got it done uh though i mean he also that's where he gave all the details about the how the shortage just tying into a new episode and on top of that like He definitely still is the usual defensiveness he has when he gets the obvious like if I'm Al Jean and I kept getting questions and in interviews, like I know this is what you've been working on for the last twenty years, but <laughs> wasn't it great thirty years ago? And this sucks. Like- I
1: mean, we get the same, we get similar questions. I'm sure Al Jean has been getting for the past twenty years. Like, so you guys going to quit? Yeah. Like, uh, <laughs> no. I, I very much enjoy podcasting and the money as well is very nice.
0: Uh, Jean Jean has a good cover of just going. Well, we did just win. When I almost did Al Jean. Well, in the you see, yeah, I am. <laughs> but but he did like say we just won the Emmy for best animated uh, thing. So if, if our standards have gone down, then the Emmys has too, hasn't it? Like I also, as a comic book fan, I did really like his uh, co- comparing himself to Steve Ditko, the co-creator of Spider-Man, how he said, like, you know, he's, he, he says basically, how can we compare to something you saw when you were 10? Like how can anything new on the Simpsons Compared to what you saw when you were a kid and it was all new to you. Like, he's a big comic book fan, Al Jean is. He grew up reading Steve Ditko's original spider Bands when they were new. And he's like, that was... How can any artist for him compare to the originator on Spider-Man comics? So that's kind of how he's feeling that, that way. Though he is certainly not Steve Ditko and that Steve Ditko quit after like five years and never came back.
1: Yeah, instead of just hanging around. But Al uh, Jean is
0: more the Stan Lee, i yes, say.
1: Yes, yes. He's quickly becoming one. I'm sure he'll show up in cameos in like 20 years on <laughs> the show. Hi, I'm Al Jean. Uh, so we are now currently, as of this recording, in the middle of a Simpsons two-parter called War and Peace... The third two-parter Simpson. So we had Who Shot Mr. Burns and then like, God, 23 years after that or 22 years after that, The Great Fatsby. That's right. And then this. And I was reading the description of this and I haven't watched it. It could be good. But it's weird like what they choose to make two-parters out of. This is about a, a priest comes to town to compete with Lovejoy played by Pete Holmes.
0: Yeah, well, because uh, so clearly you've never listened to a Pete Holmes podcast once because he always mentions how he's an ex-Catholic and his oh. his relationship to God. It's actually very important in his annoying bad stand-up. I don't like Pete Holmes. And I know
1: that, uh, I mean, people know who he is, but I figure if you're going to do a two-parter of The Simpsons, the third one in history, it should be around a bigger guest or a bigger event. But I yeah. guess The Great Fatsby really wasn't either?
0: Not really, no. I mean, it was... You know was about hip hop and stuff, maybe they thought they got were gonna get better bigger hip hop stars for it but
1: and I guess it was a parody of the move or sorry the show Empire, which was very big that I have never seen. oh
0: yes, that's true, that's very true i well, I think Pete Holmes is on this too it's it feels more in the range of you know a somewhat famous. Younger comedian who is younger group- being forty seven <laughs> yes <laughs> or yeah. however old he is <laughs> uh well he he plays a twenty three year old in his show uh which thankfully got cancelled but but it does feel like one of those things where a younger comedian comes up to them at a party and says, Oh my god, I've loved The Simpsons since forever. I'd love I'll do the show anytime you want. And then they they finally have him on. Like that's how that's how a lot of comedians did the show. Sorry, he's forty one, I apologize. Okay, forty one. He seriously plays mid-twenties on Crashing. Like it's ridiculous. But uh yeah, that Warren Piece one, it's i i wonder how they choose to make something a uh, a two-parter these days is it just like a script comes in long or does it have it does get pitched as a two-parter i i am interested to see how they chose that
1: and our last bit of news is uh, former co-showrunner josh weinstein shared a really cool guide on how to draw lisa i'm sorry how not to draw lisa from an old style guy this is one of the things where i have to stop myself from being grumpy because it's one of these <laughs> images i've seen a billion times yes, i'm sure it was yeah. reprinted in even like simpsons illustrated and it's easy oh, to look yeah, up it's like yeah. here's how to draw bart here's how not how to Draw Bart and Homer and Lisa, but it uh, it caught on because I think Yardley Smith was like, Oh, this is so cool! Mm-hmm. So I can't expect everyone to be as tuned <laughs> into like the film Roman style guides as I am. I think even like Nina might have this because oh, she yeah. has a lot of like the how to draw characters right from film Roman's like books,
0: she has all that awesome stuff. Yeah, I, I this was not news to us, but it going viral was news, and it, it still always strikes me as, as interesting to see you know. You never think of a wrong way to draw the Simpsons because they're never officially drawn the wrong way. So when you see the examples uh, in there, you're like, oh, wow, that's actually I see why you wouldn't draw Lisa that way. It's a it's a fun drawing if you haven't seen it. And actually talking about Twitter, breaking Twitter news. That uh, we want to talk about it happened one day before this recording. A post went viral that proclaimed that in the final shot of Who Shot Mr. Burns Part 2, when they pan over the audience saying, like, everyone's a suspect in that one, uh, you see Krusty, and then Ned looks at Krusty kind of sideways. Everyone's looking at each other uh, suspiciously. A person threw out there that that is not Krusty, that is Homer in a Krusty outfit. And it was this Easter egg nobody noticed this whole we, time.
1: We missed it yeah, uh, like yeah. three years ago whenever we covered that episode.
0: And we went by, We took, that's one of our longest non-guest episodes ever, I think, if not the longest. But yeah, the, so that got thrown out there. Me and you saw it several times. But, uh, but Bill and Josh, the writers of the episode, they engaged with it too, and they said in no uncertain terms that is not Homer. Homer is not supposed to look like Krusty. He's not drawn into the background. Bill Oakley even pulled out his old file of master list for clues, and one of them was none of the prime suspects, which includes you know Homer, Tito Puente, Smithers. None of them should appear in that pan over where everybody's suspicious. So. Homer he they would have never said draw Homer dressed as Krusty there but it is undeniable that when you look at that design of Krusty in that shot that looks like the season six homer as crusty drawing from homie the clown
1: i'm looking at your timeline to find it and i can't does it have the crusty poof of hair on the top or the homer So it does have the poof okay, of hair on but the, the top, nose yes. is a smoking gun right the
0: nose is well it's two things one when reno crusty shows up he doesn't have his bow tie on uh, okay. so you could go like well he put on his bow tie for the next scene but second yes it is the painted nose instead of the circle nose on homer or on Krusty, and so i propose that uh maybe jeffrey lynch intentionally drew that in there hmm. but bill oakley came up or you know one of the animators uh but bill oakley brought up i think a more believable uh excuse for it that overseas they drew that scene with homer there and they were told to do a retake because Homer's not supposed to be there. And so when they draw in Krusty, they just draw over the Homer to make it easier to reanimate, then draw the model of Krusty, which is different in certain ways from Homer.
1: And somebody who's done a lot of retakes like Bill, uh, he would know like common mistakes or common yeah. like cheaper fixes that overseas studios will do.
0: Yeah. So if you see people out there going, Oh, Hey, see this secret Easter egg from uh, who shot Mr. Burns part one. It is not an intended <laughs> Easter egg. It, uh, it, it was probably a mistake or one of someone on the animation side added an extra joke to it that Homer uh, is dressed as Krusty.
1: Maybe it was secretly David Merkin, mm. who was always a little stinker about that uh, murder mystery.
0: Well, so this one I threw out to Bill and Josh and they didn't have a reply to because they weren't involved in it. But you remember in Springfield's Most Wanted, that special. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They actually do say, and did you ever notice how Homer and Krusty look similar? Mm. They throw that out as a red herring, which that could just be they needed to fill 10 more seconds I I asked Bill about it, and Bill's like, well, yeah, we didn't touch that. That's a non gracie thing. We didn't do anything with that. So he doesn't know why that's in there. But that leads me to think intention was behind drawing Krusty in that way in that shot, and that somebody told them, hey, you know, that's actually drawn to be Homer in a Krusty outfit, so maybe put that in there in the clue list. Mm. I I feel like, you know, this is a question for Merkin. Merkin didn't... uh, Lay in there either. I think he was involved in that Springfield's Most Wanted, but. Anyway, so that's the secret okay. uh, that's out there. Maybe
1: one day Jeffrey Lynch will testify. <laughs>
0: he can't. He's not even... How does he not have a LinkedIn that I can harass him on yeah. and ask him to for an interview for just this purpose? He's working
1: under Brad Bird somewhere. <laughs> uh, let's talk about news in our world. Mm-hmm. So, yes, Mission Hill, or Talking Mission Hill, rather, is live now. As Woo. of this recording, episodes one and two are up. And then, of course, there'll be a new one every Friday until we're out of episodes by like mid-July, I'm guessing, probably. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, something like that.
0: uh, It's thirteen. Well, it's thirteen broadcast episodes and then some extras. So, yes, yeah, I'd say till July. And uh, thanks, thanks everybody that signed up for it. I, uh, I think we're
1: at a record high on Patreon.
0: I do believe we are. Yeah, Yeah, you're right. Always
1: nice to see everyone coming out to support us. Mm
0: -hmm. And uh, and me and Bob have not been Andy French style slackers. We have been Kevin French style uh, type A personalities. I've been blinging and blonging every morning (laughs) and night. Yeah, no, Bob. Bob is. uh, taken the charge on Aww. these and done such a great job thank you yeah. it's uh... we're
1: all working very very hard because that's all we can do now <laughs> yes yeah. and then when it's time to not work i'm getting i'm getting the hell out of here buddy <laughs>
0: you're never coming back i'm from going Canada. to
1: hawaii if it's safe <laughs> that's one of the plans
0: uh, well that's uh you know you can hang out with all the lepers on mm.
1: the i don't want any <laughs> of the leper islands just the good ones uh let's talk about our schedule for what a cartoon for next month yes so, the first week will be us revisiting a series we've done before. So, we're going to be doing the eighth season of Beefus and Butthead, the 2011 Ooh. reboot. That's excellent. Very, very sad they didn't make more, but there are like 20 shorts from that, or 22 shorts, however many. We're going to be doing two of those shorts for What A Cartoon. Those shorts are going to be Doomsday and Dumb Design. So those are the two Beavis and Butthead shorts from the 2011 run. I don't know where to find them now, but I'm sure they're accessible somewhere online.
0: Oh, I I did a tiny bit of looking into it. It used to be they'd be streaming on the MTV website. No more. Yeah. Uh, But you can. It was released on Blu-ray. You could buy the Blu-ray. On Amazon, they uh, just
1: released those episodes on blu-ray yeah I think so it's okay. called like
0: season I think it's called volume 4 but it's season 8 uh, so if you yeah. go to Amazon as well I believe it's called Volume 4 on there, maybe Season 8. But the episodes are in there, too, to buy digitally on Amazon, oh, cool! Too, if cool. you want that. And uh, when you see the schedule up on the Patreon website, there's links in there to, to where to find them yes, on yes. Amazon, at least. I'm well.
1: using my torrented versions from nine years ago because I could not <laughs> buy them. I had to like just steal them online, but I will check out that Blu-ray.
0: I mean, MTV doesn't want you to see them. Or like, anything. Yeah, No. They, I
1: don't even know what they are anymore.
0: Uh, yeah, that's actually what we talk a lot about on an upcoming Mission Hill episode. <laughs> so
1: after uh, Beavis and Butthead, we're going on to Dragon Ball, Woo! the original Dragon Ball series, episode 23, Monster Beast Giran. So Goku, baby Goku fighting a monster. Lots of fun.
0: Yeah, it's a uh, premium patron request. We have stayed away from Dragon Ball this whole time, but actually we're recording this episode right after we're done with this. And it's been a lot of fun to prepare for it. I have so many Dragon Ball memories. But we are going to have to institute a similar t- rule that we did on Gundam, which is you can't talk about stuff <laughs> after this uh, section of Dragon Ball, or else we'll just talk about Z the entire I've got to get home
1: before sundown, or <laughs> will right, we'll turn into a pumpkin tonight. Um, but yes, so yes, uh, Dragon Ball's after that. And then we have the uh, early 2000s Justice League series, the episode Injustice for All, Part 2. Mm-hmm. That'll be the third week of May. And the final week of May will be our uh, What a Cartoon Movie preview for our movie movie for that month which is toy story 2 yes we knew that was gonna win but you know what we're doing it <laughs> yeah it's a good well, movie to do i would have gladly done any of the others but mm, i love toy story 2 and everybody I'm excited. Loves it yeah yes very excited to revisit that one
0: yeah oh and just real quick about justice league yes this is regular justice league not justice league unlimited and we're doing the second half of the injustice for all episode from season one i mean you know Watch the first episode too, just for context, but just again, to prevent uh, the episode from being three and a half hours long, we're just going scene by scene through the second part of the Mm -hmm. two-parter.
1: And we have some more interviews in the works. Be sure to mm-hmm. check out our interview with John Vitti that just went up on the free feed uh, earlier and then uh, on the Patreon about a week and a half ago. So we're very happy with that. What a great interview. We have more perhaps Mission Hill related interviews coming along. Maybe. Yes. Yeah, That's yeah, we've all got, I'll say.
0: We've got some cool stuff lined up for sure. I think... Uh, Maybe it's helpful to us that everybody's working from home now, that they're more receptive to uh, <laughs> doing phone interviews. And
1: they just want to talk to somebody. Yeah.
0: Oh, a person. Yes. I'll I'll remember 1999 with you. I'd love I'll, to. I'll say anything.
1: <laughs> just please call me. But yes, uh, lots of fun stuff happening. We hope you're all doing okay out there. We are doing uh, very well in terms of our productivity, but we would really love to go outside again and go to restaurants and bars and see mm. movies, of course. But yeah. uh, we're working really hard for you to keep you entertained. <laughs> and I'm, I've am i been like subscribing to new podcasts, too. I I've, I've like subscribed to like two more Patreons since this all started just oh, to wow. like get more content.
0: Yeah, you know, I think I signed up for a couple. T- I, I had been, uh, you know, enjoying Gaist episode ever on and off, but you've been telling me the, the recent ones were really great. So I, I signed up for that uh, Patreon to fill, hear, the, hear the full things. Their recent one about. The King of the Hill gay radio episode was really great. I haven't heard that one yet.
1: But yes, I'm not a hypocrite. I live off of Patreon, but I also subscribe to like 12 of them. Yeah, yeah. Because I think this is the only way to live. (laughs) The only real job is making podcasts. I
0: think it really is. If you're a content creator. (laughs) At least 100 a month I spend on Patreon. Me too.
1: Yeah, yeah. Let's move on to questions for Talking Simpsons. The first episode is part of our season one revisit, Homer's Night Out. And Brian Horton says, a $2 functioning spy camera would be possible in the early 90s. The most likely format would be a micro 110 camera. They were often marketed towards kids since they were so small. Just being a small piece of plastic, they attached directly to the 110 film cartridge and very cheap. The whole thing of film was around the size of a box of the normal roll of film, often with a keychain or a lanyard attached so that you wouldn't lose it i couldn't find any prices at the time but in this kellogg's cornflakes commercial from 1988 you can get a branded micro 110 camera without film for the cost of two proofs of purchase most pictures from these cameras weren't great looking but they were in color unlike bart's so there you have it proven wow. wrong the spy uh, kids spy camera technology uh was advanced back then and then we would eventually all have fun savers in the yeah. 90s
0: i guess i should have realized that fun savers that if those existed a two dollar children's camera you just chuck in the mailbox in six months that would exist
1: i love fun savers you just you, you buy them and then you just drop off the entire goddamn thing <laughs> uh, it's at so the great. drugstore yeah, yeah. I,
0: I love the 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 many chemical smells when you open up that mm. sealed package on a fun that'll saber. get you somewhere <laughs> uh so yeah sorry henry go ahead oh yes uh mr neil said about this episode oh no i'm about to go way off topic the william costello record for bill barnacle bill doesn't actually come from the cartoon in fact in beware of barnacle bill bluto plays the titular role and while popeye does sing verses they vary greatly from the record what's interesting about the record is that after costello was fired for being insufferable to work with he went to the uk and made a load of novelty records without explicitly calling the voice popeye skirting the law and exploiting the role he was ousted from to be fair He did the voice long before the Popeye cartoons as part of his vaudeville act and as Gus Gorilla on the Lost Betty Boop radio program. Most of note, on one of these he sings... The merry-go-round broke down, or the theme to Looney Tunes, which, wow, I gotta That's great. look that up. Do, That's, hear, uh, do you hear Popeye sing that?
1: The Popeye voice is great, and it's a voice born in the late 19th century. There's no <laughs> one that sounds like that. Even imitators can't do uh, the Popeye voice. Yeah, Billy West, really, really really close. He's really good, and that is
0: because Billy West tortures himself to be as much like his voice acting heroes as possible. And I mean, Dave Coulier's, pff, he can't compare. Oh, God. But... He would
1: do that constantly on that goddamn <laughs> TV show. Uh, that and Bullwinkle, like like these six year olds <laughs> knew what it was.
0: I he got away with that stuff. Yeah. I, I think he also professionally did Popeye a couple times. I believe he's uh, he, I believe he's Popeye on Popeye and Son. that's not
1: uh, Maurice LaMarche.
0: You know, hmm, going to have to look this up. Okay. I swear he did at least I, one I think that was Popeye. the, uh, let
1: me just talk to you about the writers of Full House, by the way. Let's, oh, let's oh disparage them. It's like when they couldn't find a way out of a scene, they're just like, eh, Then Uncle Joey is Popeye for about 15 seconds. Or <laughs> Bullwinkle. Uh, that's about all he'd get away with. Uh, but are you looking it up? Yes. Is let it me Maurice look LaMarche? Up
0: here. Okay, I'll tell you how I got mixed up. It was, yes, that it was him in, in Popeye and Son. He only voiced Popeye... In uh, Robot Chicken appearances. Okay. So they'd hire him to do him on Robot Chicken. Apologies. I mean, I guess that's not really technically playing Popeye professionally.
1: Nor should he. No, no. Uh, So Nina Matsumoto says... Ooh, who's this? (laughs) Hello. I give kudos to the writers for trying to deliver some kind of feminist message, but Homer's speech at the end is one of my pet peeves. The insinuation that you should respect women because they are wives, mothers, daughters, whatever... Also, it wears me out whenever a guy says something along the lines of, I didn't care about feminism until I became a father to a little girl. You should respect women because women are people. They don't have to be anything to you. Yeah, it is like a uh, a message conjured by a room full of men in the late 80s. Like mm. Women should be respected because of their association to men.
0: Yeah, if you can't find it in yourself to respect a woman, think of your mother or sister or whatever. Yeah, I... I agree. I think we were a little light on it in the episode, uh, but uh, because you know it, it 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 comes from a nice place. But bless the wives. <laughs> but Nina is very right that it is uh, still kind of chauvinistic position to be like. Well, I respect women because. I found a woman who is kind of me. I can I can see a part of myself in this daughter, so I now respect
1: women. I like women because men are great, and women are men adjacent. <laughs> Therefore, by the transitive property, women are partially great.
0: At least at least four fifths says great as men. Uh, yeah, that uh, yeah. I, I I thank Nina. I thank you, Nina, for pointing that out. Uh, so next up we got crepes of wrath, and Cat uh, Heisberg is the first to reply to that. Saying, I too didn't fly in a plane until after high school. It was my mom's first flight too, and she was 55. Yesterday during our daily mental health pandemic run, I was telling my boyfriend all the things that my parents told me were only for rich people when I was growing up. They included flying, owning encyclopedias. Owning a computer. Oddly enough, my dad convinced my mom to finally get a computer in the latest of the 1990s by telling her my sister and I could finally have access to an encyclopedia that way. Continuing on, though, piano lessons, any premium cable channels, pay-per-view, non-free blockbuster rentals, also why I saw cartoon all-stars to the rescues a zillion times, staircases, I truly thought any of my friends who lived in two-story houses were millionaires, Camping and call waiting, ah memory of growing up upper lower middle class in midwest in the midwest, just as the Simpsons did for me as a young child, Bob's reflections on his seemingly similar upbringing make me feel far less alone
1: i chose this uh comment because it's praising me by the way i (laughs) I am the voice (laughs) of the working class uh, next to games press millionaire cat bailey and podcasting (laughs) billionaire henry gilbert
0: now look i yes i did grow up with a with parents who had two stories henry two stories
1: a game room (laughs) (laughs) what's going on in the gilbert household where's that money coming from
0: in our florida house was only one story but it was quite large if i were to go Now strangers live in it. But if I were to go back to my childhood house... After living in a one bedroom this entire time, I would think I was rich. I'd be mean, like, I could never own this house mm. myself. Now
1: I never really thought that we were poor until I reflected upon it as a, an adult. And I'm like, wow, like uh, we didn't do all these things or have all these things that other people had, but mm. they always tried to hide that we were poor until <laughs> like the mid to late 90s. I don't know what happened. I kind of want to ask my mom, like, what happened? And we like suddenly had money, not a lot of money, but there was like a computer in the house. People were getting braces. Mm-hmm. There was a nose job in the situation. Huh. Uh, new cars. And stuff. I'm like, did somebody, like, uh, when a lawsuit didn't tell me about it? <laughs> I,
0: I do think, uh, though, things like piano lessons or premium cable channels or pay-per-view, that actually was like, uh, my dad is just a cheap person who mm. didn't, he would say, we can't afford that, we can't afford that. And always, uh, he wasted money on tons of things and gamble all the time. But uh, you know, my mom would still spoil us quite a lot. But yeah, we, I, I would hear some of those excuses.
1: We were spoiled within our means, and it was like always that like staying home was always the cheapest option. So if, yes, of course we'll order a pizza. You can rent videos. but We're not going to go to the movies or to like Disneyland <laughs> or anything else like that. So
0: my now my family could afford like if we wanted to do a yearly trip to a theme park, we totally could. My dad never wanted to do that, so. We went to, like, Universal once and Disneyland once and only went on cruises, Bob. Isn't that terrible What's for our yearly vacation? How decadent. Now, now we
1: all know the secret truth of cruises. It's just yes. uh, I mean, we should have always known how filthy they are.
0: Disgusting. Filthy. Uh, this is the end of cruise lines here, I uh, think. I'm going to say good. Uh,
1: so uh, Gloomy Cleric says, and I will read this whole comment. It's very long, actually. Hmm. I, I kind of snipped this from a longer comment about Albania. So if you want to learn more, there's about two more paragraphs of this. So it's about Enver Hosha. That's the Prime Minister of Albania from uh, 1944 until 1985. If you remember, Adil's last name was Hosha. Because that's the
0: only Albanian name they knew, right? And I don't know (laughs) if
1: that's actually information that's in the show itself, Mm. or just like uh, ancillary information in a script or something Uh, like that. They never say, oh, Adil Hosha, hello.
0: That's true. I I think it is just off of the script page.
1: So uh, Hosha was super paranoid and thought Albania would be invaded by their enemies. The logic was that the bunkers would even out the odds in case of an invasion. Bunker construction was dangerous and many workers died while constructing them. Albania was not really part of the Eastern Bloc. They were in the Warsaw Pact, but they withdrew in 1968 after the Warsaw Pact's invasion of Czechoslovakia. Mm. They were the only country to ever formally withdraw from the Warsaw Pact. Enver Hosha was a huge Stalin fanboy. He soured on the revolutionist turn of the Soviet Union when Khrushchev got into power. Oh. So uh, they broke relations with the Soviet Union afterwards. Interestingly enough, uh, the only other big country Albania had relations with was China. Hosha flirted with Maoism until Nixon's visit to China. He threw a fit and broke relations with China soon after. And Hosha died in 1985 and the communist government of Albania fell in 1991. It was more of an international collapse because the Party of Labor, the Albanian Communist Party, tried and failed to keep the country together after Hosha died. Crazy to think that the only other famous Albanian-American besides Jim Belushi is Martin Shkreli.
0: I forgot that guy was Albanian. I mean, Albanians don't want you to know that
1: one- one of the worst people
0: alive
1: <laughs> famous boy millionaire <laughs>
0: oh god where i i man, i hope he's still in prison i haven't kept up with him thankfully so but mm. yeah, so i i i appreciate this uh because i did kind when talking about their government i did kind of treat them as part of the USSR block of the of the Warsaw block but uh it, it's even more interesting that they were a communist nation that existed and kind of ended around the time the ussr fell but was independent of it as a communist nation as well that's that's uh extra interesting to me and
1: i bet the simpsons writers knew none of that now nah, like uh, jim belushi's from here we got to write an episode let's go let's go uh, i
0: mean they got co- oh yes yeah as we i wish you know it's unfortunate our john VD interview came After we recorded that, because he explained it all. Like, oh, why is this a messy-ass episode? Because they wrote it in the room with no (laughs) draft. And he
1: agrees it's not that great. So I don't feel like we were too hard on it. And I think a lot of people agree with us. Uh, So up next, we have the Talking Mission Hill pilot. I don't think we're normally going to read uh, miniseries comments on the air, because we don't have a lot of time for that. We normally don't. But because this was in the uh, Talking Simpsons slot for that month, uh, we're going to read the comments from this. And Henry, you're up on the first one.
0: Yeah, so Shy Ranger says... My family always had a strong stance against the sheltered behavior for drinking. They still made sure I followed the 21-year-old rule in public because the law is still the law, sadly. But when I was 18 and at home, they would always be like, hey, try this or want a little bit of this. Their mindset was that trying to keep young adults completely sheltered from drinking Would result in their shifting way too far into it once they got away. Quote, now I'm away from my family. I'm going to drink as much as I can all the time rather than eating into it and having a notion of moderation.
1: Yeah, I think that's been the, from my observations of growing up, like the uh, the people who were strictest with their kids, those kids like instantly became alcoholics at (laughs) 17.
0: Yeah. Well, because you, but you know, you want to rebel. It's natural to try to rebel as a kid or. Once you're at freedom, you also will run into like, I don't even want to say bad influences like I'm on the parent side, but I bet you will meet people who say like, well, you've never drank before. Come on, let's go drinking. Like, and then you don't know how to handle it as well. I I did have a friend who actually, um, or uh, let's say acquaintance, who in high school, he was the Kevin type in the AP classes who, you know, was top of his class, one of the best Second, he's out of high school, in college, and can drink. He did become a wastoid, as as Toby said.
1: I remember my mom would like buy me wine after I moved out, like in, oh, in alcohol and stuff like that. Nice. So uh, yeah,
0: I mean, uh, honestly. My parents drank more than... Uh, they drank so liberally. I don't want to say they were not drunk, so I'm not saying that. I'm but. making the
1: drinky, drinky motion. <laughs> uh,
0: but but they drank so liberally that, like, I don't know, beer was boring to me, or it smells gross. I hate the smell they of beer. They probably just so. drank
1: like utter trash, yeah. like every like boomer from that era. Yeah,
0: I think uh, I think Michelob was their brand usually. No. Yeah, look. You, Swill?
1: I'm really enjoying this, uh, this quarantine as a chance to keep my favorite breweries in Uh, berkeley in business and then like every week or so i'll find a new one to walk to and bring back like a ton of beer like Mm. a ton of delicious designer beer (laughs) Uh, i've been pretty
0: i i don't think i've drank alcohol since this started yeah it's it's been that long probably the last time i drank alcohol if it was not us going oh no it was the last time Kat was here on the day the axe fell on oh, right. uh, we recording. There was uh, beer here, right? Yeah, on the crepes of Wrath recording. I, I I broke out the last of the beers. <laughs>
1: also, every time I go to the grocery store during this, I buy a new bottle of hard liquor. I usually only have one in my house and I'll just like slowly sip over that over like the course of a week and be gone. But now I have like eight bottles of hard liquor. So I'm building a bar. In the future, I will get to party with that liquor. Ooh, boy. You, but, should, uh, you
0: should get one of those madman style like uh, office drinking.
1: Uh, my apartment is getting weird inside right okay I'm looking <laughs> lots at... of tiny improvements because it's like my little prison cell and i gotta spruce it up as much as possible
0: i brought it i bought a drill and a drill brush for uh mm. for industrial cleaning of my shower and it's looking a lot better
1: i bought a blackout curtain Ooh. and i bought a jigger for pouring shots
0: oh hey that's yes. nice
1: and some other fun, yes. Uh, isn't our, aren't our lives exciting? <laughs> I'm just going to list all of the new things I bought off of, uh, you know, online shopping every month, just to keep you updated on the state of my apartment.
0: I just got a new purple water bottle in the mail.
1: Ooh, nice. Yeah. Uh, so, yes. Darren says, quick anecdote with other staff that work on this show, which is Mission Hill. Uh, Dave Filoni of Clone Wars, who also carried on from this show into Avatar oh, The Last Airbender. I didn't know that. He's an alumni of my college and spoke there in 2009 while I was attending. I asked him in the seminar about Mission Hill, and he was surprised anyone would bring it up, but was excited to talk about how much he enjoyed his time on the show. I believe it's been a while. He mentioned being involved in storyboarding the opening credits. So, oh, that's really yeah. cool.
0: I didn't know that about Filoni. Damn, because, well, we only have been really talking about the directors, uh, but, wow, it's... Uh, this really was the training ground for Avatar The Last Airbender staff.
1: Everybody It seemingly except for Bill and Josh yeah
0: except for Bill and Josh they were well probably they sold that
1: Castle Rock contract I'm guessing
0: (laughs) yeah yeah well even so like they wouldn't um, to work on a Nick show they'd probably have to leave the writers union I don't I would bet at least in the mid-2000s, Nickelodeon wasn't
1: working with with the WGA. Mm. So up next, we have What a Cartoon questions. And our first ones are about the non-cartoon, The Adventures of Pete and Pete. Uh, that was so much fun to do. And again, every year we'll do one non-cartoon cartoon. But Henry, you're up for yeah. the first uh, comment here? Yeah, it's uh, not so much an April Fool anymore, I suppose. But uh, it's
0: an April 1st, uh, early April uh, tradition now. And yes, on the Pete and Pete episode, our first comment is Mikey Cox says... I'm so happy you guys did this series. Like Nina, I am from Canada and never came across this gem of a show. I've watched a couple episodes and now am completely hooked, much like how I became with Strangers with Candy when you guys did that last year. Speaking of which, I have a bit of a belated Strangers with Candy anecdote. When I started watching it, the snooty blonde cheerleader captain snucked struck me as being quite familiar when it occurred to me that she is the sister of a good friend of mine. Wow. When I met him back in 2005, he mentioned she appeared in the show, but as we were in Korea, I had no exposure to it and completely forgot about it. I'm only... I'm one of those people who has never met anyone famous, so now it's pretty neat to say that, at the very least, I've hung out with and got drunk with someone who was on Strangers with Candy.
1: So, I wow! Can't say that for myself, so <laughs> I'm I'm jealous.
0: I did interview Alan Tudyk once, and he was uh, on two episodes of that show, but I think that's the closest to Strangers with Candy I've got. Did you ask
1: him about that? I can't remember.
0: Uh, not so. This ugh, this was on a tough night at San Diego Comic Con at Fandom. This this was before you started working there. It sounded terrible. That's completely uh,
1: understaffed. You were sharing passes. Yep. yep There's yeah. a drug dealer in your hotel room. <laughs>
0: uh, so it was a hot night and I had to go straight from a panel to the party and of course I can't just enjoy the party. I have to interview the celebrities when they show up uh, and I am of course very sweaty because I just ran from the uh, San Diego Comic Con floor to the party and I'm wearing shorts and a, a Rick and Morty shirt that's uh, getting sweatier and sweatier but it is of course the Comic Con exclusive one I got of them taking pictures with their gerbil I, I have that
1: one I think you might have gotten me one
0: it's uh, it's a quality shirt but so when I got to interview people uh, Nathan Nathan Drake himself, uh, I almost said Nathan Fillion, but Nathan Nolan Drake, North? Nolan North. He really liked my Rick and Morty shirt because he is a cast member of Rick and Morty. But then Nathan Fillion and Alan Tudyk came together, and I interviewed them. And Alan Tudyk, uh, I had to keep on the topics because he's like, no, no, he's here for this, to ask about this. But the second it was over, I was like oh man this is so great i have been a fan since i saw you on stranger with the candy and he's like oh wow that's uh deep remember. he's there. so good as the leader like, he's so good but i mean uh this was like four years ago this is before he became like the greatest voice actor like he's i'm watching that harley quinn show oh he, yeah he's multiple voices in it and rules is he the
1: joker in he's the joker okay, and playface
0: so. and several others
1: So let's read our next comment for Pete and Pete. And Raymond Fernandez says, uh, Pete and Pete meant a lot to me as a teen. I am directly in between the brothers' ages, so I could still see the perspective of both brothers. I also live in the Hudson River Valley of New York, and the show being filmed in North Jersey only 30 minutes from where I lived made the show feel very familiar to me because the neighborhoods look like neighborhoods I saw growing up. Also, a bit of a correction. Nyack is not in Jersey. It is in Rockland County, New York. I was actually born in Nyack Hospital, which is on the western bank of the Hudson River. And you can see sleepy. And you can see Sleepy Hollow, New York, on the East Bank from the hospital. So, all oh, of you Niac nice. heads, I apologize.
0: <laughs> uh, we again. I've never, I've never been to Jersey in my life. It's an interesting area to me. Uh, it's where my husband grew up, but uh, I've never, never been there yet. I, uh, you know, <laughs> I dream of a day when I can finally she-
1: see the green, the green state of New Jersey, the Garden State. That uh, Zach, uh, what's his face, Braff, <laughs> old Braff, Braffy, old
0: Braff. It's you know that harley quinn show they just use zach braff like people just say the word zach braff and it's just funny they're just like oh was zach braff at that like and you just go
1: zach braff go kickstart another movie scrubzy <laughs> uh up next we have our famous cartoon all-stars to the rescue podcast henry mm-hmm.
0: yes yeah, quite a fun 420 joe hudson is the first replier here and it's at, and they say Because of the crossover, I have at times been tempted to show this to my kids, who despite being five and three, are familiar with most of these characters. After reintroducing myself to it, though, I'm a firm no. They can seek it out when they're older and better able to process the cynicism here. And you know all of these characters are mostly here because it would have been bad PR to say no, ironic, to Roy Disney as they would be accused of being pro-drugs for kids. I do somewhat wish it had gone even further, though, and incorporated the D.A.R.E. program into it so they could have saved Darren the Dare Bear for just the end. Really? Just so kids could have reacted with a who and have been left e- further confused by this mess of a um,
1: PSA. I was never introduced to Darren the Dare Bear.
0: I forgot his name, but I mean, I think I saw him around, but I could just be remembering me because I did watch that dare special that lauren McMullen and other mission hill folks worked on for a klasky chupo which uh uh you'll actually hear about this in a mission hill to come but uh look up there's there is a dare special that is basically an episodes of rugrats meet simpsons but Mm. it's about not doing everybody
1: that worked on mission hill was part (laughs) of it
0: i i didn't think of it as the uh cartoon all-stars to the rescue though as being like guys bullied by roy disney into doing it but Mm. yeah i guess it is like why do you say no to doing a drug psa for the government in roy disney you're
1: gonna make a lot of enemies that way So, Batman Boy 11 says, like most white people, growing up as a teen, I was stupidly judgmental about people smoking pot until partway through my senior year of high school when I mellowed out and realized A, it's actually not really a problem, and B, who cares what other people do if it's not a harmful thing to the people around them. I didn't partake in any myself until just under a year and a half ago with some friends, and I've done it occasionally since then. I just find it to be relaxing, especially as someone with anxiety. After watching this damn cartoon, I did my duty and lit up immediately, realizing I should have done it to watch it, but alas. (laughs) And yes, I have. To say that's um, like I did not. Uh, I have anxiety, and it's really hard for me to relax. And really, like if I'm alone and just feeling antsy, that's one way to get rid of it, mm. like in a healthy way. And I can still like focus on things or watch things or clean or whatever. It's just uh, that's uh, that's a very good uh, medical use. But you know what? You don't need a medical reason. You can just get high. It's fun. <laughs> yeah,
0: get get high because you want to. Yeah, like yeah, I I pendulum swing between anxiety and then just a bunch of uh, just pure laziness of like, no, nah, I'm just it's. It doesn't, in certain states of mind, it's very easy for me to just like, yeah, I'll just put on a podcast and play a game and five hours will pass.
1: I th- I mean, you know, when you're self-employed or you've always had to hustle, uh, every second you're not doing something that makes money, you're like, what am I doing? Like, what can mm-hmm. I be doing to make money? And yeah. you need to shut that part of your brain up. And sometimes <laughs> you need the, that sticky icky. Yeah,
0: I mean, I still do have that problem even just recently of like, I could be watching anything right now. I may as well watch something that will help me with the podcast in the coming weeks. So, yeah, I'll just watch that. When uh, That's why I, I pushed myself to play F, F, FF7 Remake while everybody was talking about it, and now I'm going to have to do a podcast about it anyway. Yes. Like it, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> no, that's, I can't wait to talk about it. I guess my
1: downtime is playing games I like for Retronauts right now, mm-hmm. but that's fine.
0: No, I mean, yeah. it, hey, it uh, it is fun to make your job about a thing you love, like other than... Uh, insi- instead of, you know, having meetings or sweeping.
1: I agree. Uh, so up next, we have revolutionary girl Utena. Mm-hmm. And Henry, you're up for this first comment. Oh,
0: yes. Yeah. We got Guy Incognito says, you touched on the very close friendship between Utena and Wakaba and noted on the kind of relationship is a fairly common trope in shoujo works. This trope is referred to as a class S relationship after a genre of literature and social phenomenon that arose in Japan in the early part of the 20th century, focusing on very intense, passionate, though generally non-sexual, friendships between adolescent girls. As noted on the episode, class S relationships then, and largely now, though social views on homosexuality are changing, were viewed as an adolescent phase that girls were expected to grow out of as they became women and women and entered society. The class S genre was influenced by the introduction of the introduction of adolescent girl-focused literature from the West such as Little Women and A Little Princess. The creation and rapid spread of then novel all-girls schools in Japan and the newly formed all-female musical theater group The Takarazuka Review, in which women played all the roles in their production and whose actresses inspired adoration and love letters from female fans to the point that it became a scandal in the 1920s over time the genre would serve as an influence to shojo wor- works in general and to yuri works in particular so thank you that that's uh, some uh,
1: much needed context i think to like the queer themes in that uh show
0: yeah yeah and for so many other uh, countless manga and, and anime i've seen before as well that's you know i i had guessed at some of these things but i didn't realize how Core it was in you know um modern Japanese history, like from the nineteen hundreds onward, especially the the influence of you know western works it's It's something that's always uh that's very interesting to me in general about Japan with like what Western works are famous there as opposed to here, because you know you can count on them to have heard of Anne of Green Gables like we would have, but like Dog of Flanders. Not even very well known in like in England even, which Stupid is where Flanders. it's from. But Japan loves Dog of Flanders. Like and uh it you know, a li uh, little women too, that that is a very similar style of intense female friendships that though they're all sisters in it but when you watch the movie now when i watched the most recent movie i was like why isn't joe just gay like she mm. had she herself a girlfriend then but obviously in the society they were in then they, they really could
1: heard that movie is good those women are little
0: it's <laughs> it's a really good movie i hope you haven't had one aspect of it spoiled for you because i'd like you to be surprised Well, i know i know
1: it. the the secret guy who's in it Ah oh, man yeah. it's that's, that's the only thing great... anyone ever
0: said well that's too bad i yeah. was surprised by it when that guy turned to corner and i was like what what <laughs> though then it god took me, damn it then it took me out of it because i was like oh that guy's in
1: here. Uh, uh let's not anyway, ruin it yes. uh so last we have the spongebob squarepants movie and La Luis Ramirez says while listening to the podcast Bob and Henry debated the canonical status of the movie in relation to the series but Steven Hillenburg before he passed away said that the movie was chronologically set at the very end of the SpongeBob show probably to account for the fact that the show would end up continuing past the third season against his wishes mm. this explains why SpongeBob gets the promotion despite that being a big change to the status quo because chronologically nothing takes place after the movie anyway so yes uh, he was putting he was drawing a line in the sand that Nickelodeon kind of cra- But he was still like with the show (laughs) and consulting and stuff afterwards, you know.
0: So, you know, thinking in Dragon Ball style then all the future episodes are just like how Dragon Ball super takes place in between like the second to last and last oh, chapter of Dragon Ball Z I forgot
1: about that yeah yeah
0: because he hasn't met Oob yet in uh, Dragon Ball super but uh so yeah I guess that, that makes it the same way actually I think theres some super that takes place after that chapter please don't correct me mm-hmm. anyway um yeah no that status quo change I like that he like it makes the movie matter a lot more like that's it's and it's such a Funny gag that Squidward's like, Well, obviously, at the end of a movie, you're going to re realize you didn't want to become a manager, right? And he's like, No, of course, I want to be a manager. Yay! Great in.
1: And then SpongeBob dies. <laughs>
0: <laughs> hey, probably chimney sweeping, I yes. think. So. So
1: yes. He got full of soot. He got full of soot. So we have one final comment uh, from Shy Ranger. Henry, please take that one. Yes.
0: So there are some complaints about the later years of Spongebob episodes, and luckily the few I've seen were not who ruined, but rather just how the show overall progressed in the later years. My friend and I have watched every episode recently basically as a why not? And while I really want to like later Spongebob stuff, I sadly do have many issues with the new stuff. I'll save a long list and just point out my biggest issue. During your guys' history of Spongebob, Matthew Jay pointed out how he loves that the show could slow down the pace when needed, not always throwing things at kids and moving. Sadly, new seasons have generally lost that touch. A scene where Sandy and Mrs. Puff are just sitting having lunch, you constantly see Sandy bounce and move in her seat as if she had 20 cups of coffee, which she didn't. It comes out like they're worried kids will be bored seeing two girls hanging out for a minute.
1: Mm, so they're losing confidence a bit. I think that yeah, happens with almost every animated show that lasts more than twenty years.
0: Yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's unfortunate that, but I think that is like you just are like, uh, or or an executive is in their ear saying. Why isn't anybody moving? A kid's gonna change a channel. I'm five years old. I'm changing this channel right now. I'm watching what's on Disney XD or w- whatever. They're not my even. <laughs> they're not
1: even using a TV. Are you kidding? Oh yeah, that's they're, true. They're sliding that app off their screen.
0: That's true. Yeah, they. The kid just said bad app and then went to, went to play uh, the Clash of Clans. They're they're in competition with everything now. I would think executives are only more awful in those meetings now that they can complain about apps instead of other channels. They can immediately
1: monitor like the second you stop paying attention. That's
0: also, oh my god, the metrics they've got. What sucks is we don't get to know those metrics. They're just the secret ones that everybody else knows. But uh, like, I mean, what if Disney is talking to The Simpsons saying like, we've seen which are the most popular old episodes so you guys should make sequels to those. And this is not a conversation. You will make sequels to these.
1: (laughs) Uh, Please do. it. Uh, actually, not please. Do it. Yes, do it. Do it. Do it. Do it. Do it. Do it. <laughs> Uh, yes so thank you once again for joining us for another episode of talk to the audience uh, I have to say we are so lucky to mm-hmm. still be able to do this and we're doing very very well and we appreciate all of your support and we are working very hard super far in advance and I predict by the end of May we might have most of the summer done
0: I think so yeah. I think we're pretty we've recorded some really cool stuff for the finale of season one and our revisiting of that have a really cool guest lined up for our first one of season 11 too yes and uh, I think you guys are all gonna enjoy it, in, as, it as we we reach june as well and of what? course
1: uh the time sensitive stuff of course is not recorded so uh, yes, we didn't yeah. like fix all the polls through august <laughs> no, to record no, no. the movies we want to record
0: no i promise you this is this is bob's <laughs> wedding day right now this is
1: the only <laughs> fair election that will happen <laughs> in america Or what a cartoon uh, movie pool
0: yeah no this uh because well, we're gonna do it online i'm like uh i mean november's gonna be
1: weird i'm having a feeling god i hope weird. uh i hope may brings us some sort of normalcy uh to all of our lives but yes uh thank you so much for listening to another episode of talk to the audience and we will see you next month thanks so much for listening wow infotainment